Hey, hello, and welcome to Growing Up with Papa, Season 2. Now, in Season 2, we're going to focus more on children's ministry and the importance of being involved in children's ministry. Hopefully, give some insight, some inspiration, some instructions, and how we do things at Christ Temple Pentecostal Church in the Sunday School Department. We're also going to share ideas from other folks that we're connected with. Now, you may say, is this for me? You betcha. If you've got youngins in your life, you need to listen in. So, hey, listen up. Get on board as we tackle topics and investigate ideas about the greatest ministry in the whole kingdom. Right here on Growing Up With Papa. Hey, look here, ladies and gentlemen. Here we are once again, Growing Up With Papa. Still on this Sunday School Edition stuff. We're kind of getting towards the end of it. We're getting, uh, we got four or five more lessons, topics, and things to talk about. We're going to wind up this season of Sunday School stuff, I believe. Then there ain't no telling what we're going to get back into. We got youngins. That's in the middle of stuff. We ain't had grandkids on here in a while, have we, Mama? No, we haven't. Did y'all hear that? The cat's out of the bag. Mama is back on the podcast. I told you you'd be a regular around here. We got to get them grandkids back. <laughs> well, y'all think you got a new job. So, yeah, we got to get some of these grandkids back around here. We've been busy doing all kind of stuff and they've been busy they back at their trapping it's not as wide open as it was before it kind of slow getting started but isaac he's got a squirrel and a, a rabbit i think and a bird i don't know they sent pictures to the christ temple trapping uh contest text and i gotta post their scores i think tristan caught a coon and uh, Miles, I think Miles has got on board with a a squirrel, I think. But anyway, i got to get all that posted out there. We're going to see who's going to win this contest. We don't have the rules set out yet. That's just getting slow started. I don't know. Last year, Bud, they was on top of it. We had critters getting caught, points adding up, all kind of kids with church. But this year, we just, we just rolled them with it. We got gardening coming up February usually put your potatoes in the ground so they'll be jumping out here and helping sock them spuds in the ground right now it's so wet I've heard people say you could plant potatoes with a slingshot well I'm glad for all this rain we needed it we needed it for sure memo all right you're getting me back off topic again there's him that's him eyeballs you, you eyeballing me over here She's so pretty, y'all, I cannot focus. So we're talking about Sunday school and stuff, and the topic today that we're going to discuss is for you, yep, I'm talking about you, to be that person. Now, sometimes we hear that in a negative context. I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be someone who, and it's a negative uh, connotation and negative thing, but but what I'm talking about today is be that person that a young person or a, a person, an individual, whenever they get old, they look back on their years in life and their childhood years, that they remember a certain person, a certain act, a certain positive influence that they have in their life. You have them in your life? Don't tell me you don't. You're thinking of somebody right now. I can see it in your eyes. They don't look as good as my mom's eyes, but. I can see in the eyes across this podcast radio wave. 
But you have somebody in your life that influenced you in a positive manner, whether it was spiritual influence, just made you feel good, made you feel happy. I, I can think of people in my life like that, and we may talk about a few of them, but we're going to talk about you being that person. Did you have somebody like that in your life? Yes, um, probably, probably one of the people that really just stands out in my life, because I wasn't raised in this truth. So whenever I came into this, came in to the truth, one of the persons that really stood out, and I was in my early 20s at this time, it was Sister Deborah Mayo. She was just a, such a good person. She was an encourager, and I learned so much from her, and she helped me, and she just was always, if I needed to talk, she was there. She was an amazing influence, for sure. She influenced me, and I've heard other other people talk about, you know, coming up in that church and being around her and how she brought out the best in you. She was a perfect example of that person that we look back and see they, because of them, because of that person, I now think this way or I do this certain thing or, you know, they had that positive influence in our life. And she was one for sure. She got me in Sunday school. Yes. She'd come to me at, I think, before I was out of high school and asked me to take a, take a Sunday school class that my grandmother had been teaching. I think it was a kindergarten class. And she had the pre-K class next door. And we collaborated and got together and got puppets going once a week. But she pushed me right on in, and I've been in it ever since. And that's been a long time ago. That's awesome. And I have some examples I could give, and I have given in the past. Sister Mayo was definitely one of them. My grandmother was one that made a huge impact. I'll go ahead and talk about a little bit about her. We've been doing some remodeling. We talked about it. But I found an envelope that had a lot of some things in it that uh, when she passed away, an aunt gave to uh, kind of passed out memorabilia or, or lock cards, letters, different things that she wrote down that pertained to, to me or whoever she would give. You know, she gives several of the grandkids things that pertain to them. And uh, it was copies of a little journal that she wrote down. And... Uh, she was kind of bound to her chair for the last years in her life. And so she'd done a lot of writing, and it was just, it took me back. It made me feel nostalgic. It made me just weep that, I don't know, the Holy Ghost just moved, just reading some of the things that she would write about uh, directly to God and different things. But she was a very positive influence in my life. She made me want to do right, to do good. Matter of fact, that was one of the, tools that my parents used against me when I was bad and acting up, they'd say, I'm going to tell Mama Redder. <laughs> her name was Loretta, and everybody called her Redder. Ain't Redder, Loretta, Mama Redder? She was an awesome lady. She was. Whoa, Boots. When you hear that sound, that means it's time for hair and a biscuit. That's right. Just a little something you wasn't expecting that we're going to pull out and check out before we go any further. All right, get ready, Boots. Here we go. Hair and a biscuit. Would you look in there? It's hair and a biscuit time. For today's hair and a biscuit, we remember we've been covering topics about my dad's 
miracles and supernatural things that's been happening in his life. And I don't think I've covered this one in the past, but this is a 100% true miracle that happened to him not too long ago. And God has been so good to him and let him experience and see so many things. And I thought it was enough of them that we'd just share them on here. So my daddy had open heart surgery for the second time just a few years ago. The first time he was around 60, I think. And uh, he was it was a pretty bad open heart deal. I think he had quadruple bypass surgery. His widowmaker was stopped almost completely up. Everything was 90 and a percent above and above clogged up. And so they done quadruple bypass and you know, it was, that's a hard deal when they split you open and crank your ribs back and reach in there and get your heart and go to cutting, cutting vessels out of other places and rerouting your blood on your heart. It's a, it's a tough deal. It's hard to overcome. Well, I think thanks to our genetics and, What's going on in our blood system? It wasn't but just a few years that everything stopped right back up, and he had another heart attack just uh, just a few years ago. And so they they went in and tried to do another open heart surgery. He had a second open heart surgery, and everything was clogged back up. And they tried to reroute, and because of the first bypass surgery, they wasn't able to reroute like they wanted to in certain places but they found a couple of different places to reroute vessels that they thought would help so they tried it out and he didn't really recover like he didn't feel good as he did like he did on the first surgery you know and he he come in just so after a few months of evaluations the doctor let give him the bad news said the heart surgery all that pain and suffering that you went through we split you back open, and it was tough. I mean, Daddy's an old, thick, hard-working dude anyway, and his brisket bone up through the middle was just real thick, and he said it, he sawed, cut for a while. He kind of got on to my daddy because he knew that he had been working and pulling and making that that bone uh, get all that gristle and, and thickness on it, but, and it took him a while to get back through it. But after all that, he said the bypasses basically just didn't work. One of them was giving him a little bit of benefit. The other one was completely shriveled up and didn't even take. And I think there may have been a third one. But basically there was one that had just a little bit, and it was really uh, done him not really any good at all. And there was nothing else that basically this doctor told him, there's nothing else you can do, we can do, that your heart is uh functioning at a very low percentage and the only thing really you can do is go home and sit down and just sit in a chair and just be there well it ain't in my daddy to just sit still do nothing and he knew that he was gonna keep going and just die going and wasn't no use nobody telling him nothing so he would try it around here for weeks and weeks he would try to work he looked pale he looked bad he looked he felt bad. He looked, oh, my Lord, just any day I'm going to come home. It's going to be bad. We're going to find him. And he got tired of feeling bad. He knew that the only thing that was going to help him was God healing his body. And he got to a point, he's by himself in his bedroom. He just got to talking to God. 
He said, God, you can heal my body. You you made this heart basically whatever, just a small prayer. He said it wasn't nothing, but it was out of desperation. It was like the end of the rope. I'm I'm giving up on the world and I'm just letting you have it. He said, and at that moment he felt the warmth go from the top of his head to the sole of his feet. He said he felt that warm feeling just flush all over him. And he knew God touched him. But it wasn't until the next day when he got up and he got going and he realized he didn't feel that tightness in his chest that he had felt. He didn't feel the weariness that he had. And he went a few days and they had another appointment for a checkup. And the doctors basically told him that uh, they didn't know what happened, but there wasn't nothing wrong with his heart. Basically, he had the heart of a, a, a good normal man. And, of course, he was old. And getting old, you get tired, and you. But the function of his heart was was way up higher than what it had been before. He knew what had happened. God had touched him, and it was a great and mighty miracle. And I'm glad because we ain't through with him yet. He still got stuff to do for me. He got sawmills, boards to cut, lumber to cut. We got mechanic, and it needs doing. <laughs> we got all kind of stuff around here. So there's another good miracle straight from the heaven. We return you now to your regularly scheduled program. But I can think of other people in my life, and this is what I kind of wanted to bring out. It's, you know, spiritual spiritual influence is a great thing, and it's, you know, it's probably top priority. But just to make a person feel good influence, that, that type of influence, did you have somebody in your life that just kind of made you feel feel good about yourself or just happy to be around them did you have somebody like that in your life yes i would i would probably say that my grandma my mama joe was probably that kind of person for me she was she wasn't in truth but as kids i we would go there and eat and have fun and play but you know she was just Always just so calm, and when everything was chaotic, she was just a calm person. That's neat. Yeah, I can remember, and even back at the old church, uh, Brother J.W. Ford was one of those type of people. He loved children, and he would uh, he was constantly doing something to make a, a child's day, giving them candy, picking with them or something like that. So it was a little bit of a kind of a fun mischievousness about him that you just felt when he come around, oh, it's Brother J.W., We're fix- it's going to be a cut-up, it's going to be a fun deal. You know, he was going to do something crazy, he was going to do something funny. And, uh, you know, somebody like him is, is a positive influence in your life. And I try to be that to a lot of kids. We, I try to do, and I've talked about this before, just do certain things that connects you with them every time you see them. Like right now, Brother Austin and Sister Emily McClure's baby uh, Lorraine she is precious and she has a fascination with puppets well every Sunday morning uh, they got a half door at the nursery class and I'll squat down and say well I wonder where the, have y'all seen the old cowboy today well they all gather around and uh, he'll pop up and say well howdy folks well they just 
carry on, and we got this thing going on where every day he's lost his cowboy hat. Every Sunday morning he's lost his cowboy hat, and he's been wearing different things. One week he wore a pumpkin. Next week he wore a something else. Well, today it was, it was something crazy else he had on his head that he was wearing. Was the grandpa puppet. <laughs> yep. She had, he had grandpa puppet on his head. Well, that threw them off when they seen that. But So now when she sees me, she she connects puppets and I've kind of made that connection. But anyway, I'm trying to be that fun, you know, happy person. And I think that's a key thing to connecting with kids, to reaching kids, is to be that person. Also, you don't have to always just be that spiritual guidance, you know, as far as everything's just so serious and we're praying and we're doing, but but to be able to connect with children, they got to love you. And that, that love is created through attention. And that's why we're opposite, because you're the fun, happy, which I'm happy, but you're the fun person and I'm the more serious I like having you in Sunday school, in Sunday school and children's church. I'll just keep going. You can snap your fingers and give them that eye, <laughs> lock them up. <laughs> but I do. But like, they do love me. They, they'll come to me and. That's right. They do. They respect you, but you got to have that part. You know that side of them to be able to connect. And uh, just talking about those kind of people, I know you have uncles that have always kind of been cut up and fun to be around. And I think people do that to be a a positive influence, you know, in in a child's life. Just looking back, you say, oh, this uncle was fun or this aunt uh, done this special thing for me. Yes. And uh, so that's what I want to get across today, to be a positive influence in a child's life, to be able to mold them, to be able to point them in the right direction. It takes more than just Sunday morning Sunday school class. It takes more than just standing up and teaching them. It's everyday reaction, interaction, connection. To go a little out of bounds, to go above and beyond, you know, to do extra with them and make them feel special. To be that person, that person that they're going to remember when they're 30, 40 years old, to look back, think back and say, I can remember and they would insert your name in this spot and say they would do this extra, and it made me feel so warm, so loved, so so important to be that person. And I think that should be all of our goals in children's ministry, to be that person that made a difference, that they can look back and think back and have that memory of. I agree. sound that means we fixing to kick open the feed barrel and dig around a little bit because there's more in there than just horse feed <laughs> hey hey it's horse feed time for horse feed today i i think i have read this piece that i wrote in the past on here before but hey i've heard good podcasters repeat themselves and it fits so good about being that person and matter of fact that's kind of the topic that I use, this this storyline, the story of Lot's daughters in discussing being that person when I'm trying to get that point across to Sunday school teachers. So I'm going I'm to recover this right here and just listen up to this story about Lot's daughters. 
It seems the only time we hear teaching or preaching about Lot's daughters is in discussion of the unmentionable act of incest and the result of averting God's plan by taking matters into their own hands. But let's look at the parenting skills of Mr. and Mrs. Lot and what affected their decisions. Just like most of the star-stupefied world today, Lot fell victim to the act of offering his precious children's innocence as a sacrifice to the sick sensuality sots created by a self-satisfying environment. The world still wants to strip chastity from our children. The enticements that are used to capture our children cannot infect us. Satan spends unlimited resources to draw the attention of our babies, and we have to be prudent in combating these temptations while presenting equally appealing but wholesome alternatives of our own. And I'll be the first to say that this would be impossible without the Holy Ghost and a personal commitment from us and our children. If we allow the roots of Hollywood and sensualism into our own lives and homes, then it won't be long until we are shoving our children out the door of security and holiness into the crowd of cheer coaches, sports recruiters, teen idols, and TikTokers whose hunger is never satisfied. You know, Lot's daughters also watched their mother allow her addiction to these things overcome the commandment of God and the teaching of the men of God. They saw her choose to forsake salvation for a final view of her lawless past. They saw her transform into a useless, lifeless being because of her choice. Does that sound a little familiar today? Apparently, Lot's daughters chose not to look back. So they must have had some resolution of their own before that point. Was their mother's decision an ultimate demise or their dad's skewed priorities what caused them to err in the fornication? Or was it the lack of female leadership? Or was it the mental trauma over a mother who was distraught over personal loss rather than joyous over saving her children? Circumstantially speaking, Lot's daughters should have erred long before the cave. Think about that. Even with the most determined spirit of doing the right thing, our children cannot make every choice correctly without parental guidance. Even children with the best intentions and purest goals need leadership. There should have been an Uncle Abraham or an aunt or somebody who took the initiative to lead them. Anyone without leadership and secluded in a cave, will veer to a skewed doctrine of perversion in the name of preservation and salvation. The Bible says that Lot vexed his righteous soul. And he did that by just being there in Sodom. And you see how it affected his children, just Lot being there. So here's what Lot's daughters might have said if you was to interview them today. They might have said that my dad chose physical attraction that contained immorality over the way that was less pleasing to the eye but void of perversions. And that would have been the time that he chose the well-watered plains. Every person will decide between the ugly church and the luscious world. They might say that my dad offered me to the knocking, demanding crowd that was desperately thirsty for my innocence. And I would have went because my mom and dad are the only source of truth and direction that I have. Think about that. And I'll tell you, the world is still beating at the door, demanding the innocence that we are supposed to be protecting. 
So many parents shove their kids out the door and offer them to the gods of this world to fulfill their insatiable lust. You know, Uncle Abraham might have thought that he had bigger fish to fry instead of taking his little nieces to Sunday school or checking on them every once in a while. You know, he was promised to be the father of many nations with seed as sand and stars. But what seemed insignificant became a thorn in the side to his descendants. The Israelites were constantly at war with the Moabites and the Ammonites, which were the countries that were created out of this ancestral act. So, Lord, don't let our neglect, don't let our shortcomings cause us to suffer down the road. But help us, God, to be aware of the children in our lives and how that we could help point them in the right direction. Not just for their sake, but for the sake of the future of the church. We return you now to your regularly scheduled program. So, hey, go try to implement that idea into your children's ministry. That idea of every time... I'm with children. Every time I'm connected with children, I'm trying to be that person that they can remember that had a positive influence in their life and was able to mold me and make me and shape me. You know, because I think we're 90% driven by by our past history and what was uh, successful in our lives and what we look back and, and want to do. That drives us so much. So look back and think of somebody who was positive in your life and maybe try to be like them to do something that makes a difference in a child's life. It's nap time. We had a good Sunday school, but we're tired. So we kick back in the podcast studio recording a little bit and going to get a little old stretch out now. You about ready to get out of this rat hole, my mom? Let's get out of here. Let's get out of this rat hole. (laughs) 